everybody's been wondering, when's he going to say it? Because he always sounds like he's getting close. I'm just telling you how the Holy Ghost is. And listen, I want you to be, and I know some of you are offended by that, but that's okay. Because you know what? I was too. But the Holy Ghost was like, dude, you are tripping. I don't know how God talked to you, but that's how he deal with me. I ain't encouraging y'all to say that, but I'm just telling you, man, I'm like, dude, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And my kids is asking my, my wife, when's daddy coming home? Look, man, I need to repent right now. I need to repent. You know, all this time, man, I, I, I thought I was that family dude. I mean, I've been coming short, man. I get too tired to be with my kids. Too tired to, to talk to my wife. And we're doing 40 for family, man. And, and the Lord's like, man, you're ministering to all these families. Dude, man, you got one objective. Get your family in. Y'all forgive me right now, but man, God is dealing with your boy. I, mean, I hope y'all not mad about what I said, but I'm just telling you, that's the way God is coming at me lately, man. He's like, dude. Dude, wake up. Don't you know that the enemy is after you and your family? Man, I made a commitment to my family. I'm going to be home on Sundays. Man, it's slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, meetings start creeping up on Sunday. Look, that business meeting, where is Orlando? That business meeting is supposed to be September the 15th on a Sunday. I'm just telling y'all right now, that's going to Saturday night. And listen, I know what the thing is going to be. Man, we got to, you know, it's, it's, it's people don't come out on Saturday nights and this, that, and the other. If we got to give people a ride. I, listen, all I'm saying is this. So we're going we gonna to fit, gonna fit our church schedule around your family schedule? Yeah. If you, if you want me, if you want me to be the kind of man of God that you need, then I gotta stand up here with integrity. I gotta stand here with integrity and, and, and be able and be able to preach to your family and my stuff is in order. I made, when I first got here, I made that covenant. I said, look, on Sundays, I've gotta be with my family. Amen. And the Lord just been dealing with you all week, like, dude, you just been letting stuff slip in left and right. You made that covenant not to no church, you made it to me. So busy doing God's work that I don't, it don't even matter to me anymore whether my wife is bothered that I'm not home or not. Dude, God was like, man, what's wrong with you? I don't know if y'all are feeling your boy, but I'm just a human being. Look, I mean, man, I bleed. I itch. I get gas. Come on in here, y'all. Look, man, the preacher get gas too. Come on in here. Listen, <laughs> man, my nose runs. Come on now. Look, man, I, listen, man, I'm just, things are starting to get clear to me now. Like, man, I had an example of this growing up. And, man, sometimes life, anybody feel me, can just get the best of you, man. And stuff that was important, man, all of a sudden becomes second and third priority. And so this is why God has led me to Noah. And, and today I want to I shift gears a little bit. Y'all forgive me, I know. See, this is who y'all got, man. Y'all just pray for the man. Pray for him. This is who y'all got. This is who y'all got. I mean, the Lord was just leading me to Noah, like, dude, this dude right here built an ark to save his family. Amen. That's right. Hmm. And today I want to talk about, but Noah got drunk. It's okay. Yeah, I want my, my subject today is Noah got drunk. Sloppy, nasty, butt naked, drunk. I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 6. Amen. The Lord dropped the band. Praise God for Mike Saunders. This man preached this morning. And next week, Zach Maddox and then James Whitehead. These guys, God is using these men of God. 
sharing the word. Genesis 6 and verse 9. Watch this. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. NIV version. Blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. And the Bible says Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, go to Genesis 9. The Bible just told you how righteous he was. It said your boy was perfect. It says he was blameless. It says that he had some, some sons that he had got in the ark when everybody else died and was destroyed. Righteous Noah was the only one God, God looked throughout the whole earth. I said, I, the only righteous person I could find is Noah. Now, I'm trying to figure out, God, hold on now. Don't you think you were a little premature in calling Noah righteous before you got the verse of chapter number nine? The word of God says that he chose Noah knowing that your boy Noah was about to do some some crazy stuff. How you going to call this man righteous and you didn't even let him finish living out his life? (laughs) Listen, y'all need to praise him on that right now. God called you righteous before you did anything good. Are y'all listening to me in here? Wake up, saints. Wake up in here now. God called you righteous before you was acting righteous. Oh, come on in here, Zion. What's up? What's going on with us today? Now, this is, listen, I'm just, I I like to think out loud while I'm preaching. God, we just read a verse that says Noah was righteous. The King James Version says he was perfect, blameless. Righteous, pure, in the whole world, out of everybody, he was number one. And I'm saying, God, don't you think you were just a little premature in saying that because you had not, you had not, we had not read chapter nine yet. Hold on, put them brakes on, don't be, don't crown him yet. You hadn't gone to chapter 9. You ain't seen that. And then, I, and as I'm reading, you know, I'm just reading the word. And oh, Noah's righteous. Look, he obeyed. By the way, let me also insert this here just contextually. Noah, if you read Genesis' account on Noah, Noah never says a word until chapter 9. Oh, no, there's nothing recorded from Noah saying anything until you get to chapter 9. The only thing that Noah does is obey. Every time God speaks, and Noah did as God commanded. And God doesn't know it did as God commanded. I mean, that's the only thing that happens. Noah's not running his mouth. Noah's either building an ark or he's obeying. And then this is, okay, then chapter nine, look, look, verse one, verse one. Let me go verse one first. The Bible says, God blessed Noah. Okay, that's verse one. And his sons, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, blah, 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 blah. Now go on down to verse, to verse 18, to verse 18. This is where it gets dicey. It gets dicey now. Now we're going into the realm of reality. Now we're about to get in your house. And now we're about to get in your house. Come on in here. Now we're about to get up in your house right now. About to get up in your house. The Bible says in verse 18, the sons of Noah who came out of, somebody said it came out, came out of the ark. Now this is blind. I'm going to share some stuff with y'all today. Y'all probably never heard before. This blew my mind. The Bible says the sons of Noah came out of the ark. And they were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. Can I debunk some false doctrine real quick? Let me debunk this myth that Ham was black. Thus, if Ham is black and his children are Canaan, that means Noah cursed black people. Did you all know that they used this text for slavery? This was the text that they used to justify slavery. Slavery was instituted by Christians, and they used this text to justify saying the sons of Ham, which was Canaan, and which, 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 which eventually came out of African nations, were saying God used Noah to curse black people. And so thus, the reason why black people are so jacked up is because we're cursed. And so we're justified in treating you the way we treat you. This, y'all, y'all never heard this before? Or, y'all, or maybe you just didn't know why. You just didn't know why. Christians instituted slavery. They believed that we were less than based on the word of God. But let me tell you this. How can Ham be black 
And the, and the race at that time was pure. There were no division of races. Ham, Ham, Shem, and Japheth was three brothers. If you listen to the world, they try to make it seem like one was white, one was black, and one was brown. Listen, these are three sons came from one daddy. Come on, black people in here. Noah didn't have a bunch of wives. These are, listen, they all look the same. It wasn't until after the fact where there was intermarrying that there was a division of races. So I just needed to debunk that real quick. I don't got nothing to do with my sermon. But to... Now, let's go to verse 20. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard, my Lord. And when he drank some of its wine, the Bible is awesome, dude. He became drunk and lay uncovered, butt naked, somebody, inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. 24, when Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Verse 26. He also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem and may Canaan be his slave. Lastly, after the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Altogether, Noah lived 950 years and he died. Noah got drunk. So typically when we, you know, when you see this, the natural inclination for a Christian is to make the argument that church people should not drink. I'm not preaching on that today. That's that's what we want to do right now. We want to fix this thing. The man of God drunk, he, he got drunk, butt naked, sloppy drunk. Now, for those of you out there who, who from time to time in past times had ever gotten inebriated, uh, some of y'all know what we're talking about. You just don't look like what you used to be. Come on in here, somebody. Amen. Uh, I mean, how is it? This is the question. How, why does Noah go from being the most righteous man? Now, listen, let, let, I, want, I, want, I need to, I need to contextualize his righteousness. His righteousness was demonstrated in the worst time in earth's history. So we're not talking about no slouch here. We're talking about somebody that stood for God when the whole world turned on God. I mean, the world was so bad that the Bible says that God said, I've got to wipe mankind out. Dude, we're talking about evil on a whole nother level. Noah in that context. The Bible says God looked all over, couldn't find nobody. And the person that he could find to be righteous was a man that in a little while was going to get sloppy, butt naked, drunk. Somebody ought to lift their hands right now and say that his mercy endures forever. How many know that God does not call you as he sees you, but God calls you as you will be? Come on in here, somebody. You better bless God today. You ain't sitting up in here today in church just because you went through the lessons and and you completed the Bible studies. The only reason why you in here, come on in here, Zion. The only reason why you in here today is because his grace and mercy brought us through. Look, for real, I mean, I just love to ask questions. I'm saying, God, are you serious? You're calling this man righteous and he got butt naked drunk. Now, now what you don't understand is this. The Bible says that he lay uncovered, did it not? Naked. Now, that doesn't tell you a lot. See, the writers are trying to be discreet. They're not telling you the whole story. Why would God, why would Noah curse Ham, the one who saw him naked? Why would he curse his son? Didn't say curse Ham. He said cursed be Canaan. 
Stay with me, Bible students. Why would, why would he, when he came out of his, in, his in, the, in the middle of his hangover, why would he look past Ham and curse his son? Just because, if you just read the Bible, he saw him naked. Is seeing him naked some kind of ridiculous sin that requires a curse on his children's children? That ain't it, bro. In Leviticus, the 18th chapter, I don't have time to go there, but I just want to set the context here. In Leviticus, the 18th chapter, a description, verse 1 and through 6, a description is given of the word uncover. Everybody say uncover. See, because the Bible writers were discreet, in other words, uh, like many of you, you were raised in an environment where it was not appropriate to talk about certain things or to humiliate elders or to talk about the faults and flaws of people. I mean, they, they took a risk by even putting Noah. I mean, in their humanity, they wanted to keep this thing that Noah did out of the minds of the mass population. But because the Holy Spirit was upon the right of Moses, and Moses had made a few mistakes himself, now Moses says, I, I at least have got to tell that, that, that Noah did jack up. But a lot of us are left, and you, if you Google this on the internet, there's so much spurious doctrine and spurious explanations as to what happened. But I'm just going to give you a hint, and this is really not what we are trying to accomplish today, but you just need to understand why. How did this go down in this family? This is a family. This is not just, this ain't no cartoon. This ain't no movie. We're talking about a Christian, godly family. How do they go from getting saved in an ark, from being delivered out of the world, to being totally decimated by alcohol and sexual sin. The word uncovered in the Hebrew gives the picture of some inappropriate sexual act. So Ham didn't just see Noah. Something happened in there. I'll leave it to your imagination. Something happened. So watch this now. I'm not going to set this up right. Noah, righteous, right? Stay here, y'all. Righteous. Preaching 100 years. And I'm thinking about myself the whole time. Preaching 100, 120 years. I mean, nobody hears this message, but his family does. And on the day that the flood came, he's building a boat. And think of the immense pressure that Noah is under. God told him when the flood was coming, 120 years, he had 120 years with his small family to build a boat. He was under pressure to get a boat built in 120 years. And then the word of God says this righteous man, he somehow, by the grace of God, is able to get him and his family saved. In the, and I want to get this now. A lot of times people say that Job is the, is the prime example of somebody who went through the worst trial. Job is not. It can't be Job. You know why? Because Job lost everything he had and then he got it back. But he lost everything he had in a world where it was people other than him. Now, I want, I want, understand this, y'all. When we see the flood, we watch too many cartoons, Veggie Tales. I don't know what we're doing. But we see the flood. We see the flood as a good thing. Oh, man, Noah made it through the flood. Dude, has anybody ever been in a catastrophe before? No, for real. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know if Cleveland has ever had like an earthquake or a major storm where the mass population was wiped out. Flooding. I'm not talking about... It will come one day. Just know that. Yeah. I mean, especially you got that nice little lake there and you got prophecy on your side. Just know you better get ready because something is going down. I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but I'm just throwing it out there. So I'm just saying, if you have not been in that, I've talked to people and I'm going to show you some examples. Let me tell you what, let me tell you, this, this is what I posit. Noah Righteous goes through the worst trial of any human. The worst trial any human ever went through other than Jesus is Noah going through the flood. Can I tell you how? He lost not just everything. He lost everything. People assume that when the flood came, that Noah was just like, praise the Lord. They need to die. Man, Noah lost relatives. Noah lost friends. Noah lost co-workers. Noah lost his life the way he knew it because God told, is anybody feeling me? God, listen, 
And we're not talking about, you know, let's say an act of God, a hurricane. God wiped the world. God did this. God is thorough. This is a this is a storm, a hurricane, an earthquake, all of this happening at once. And it was so powerful that it wiped out the whole world. We think we've seen catastrophe here. I mean, I mean, you see something like a famine in Africa, and you know, I mean, that's tough stuff, don't get me wrong. But we're talking about the whole world was destroyed by the most powerful force in nature, water. I'm going to set this thing up right. Let me give you an example. The Hebrew word flood tells the story. Y'all still with me? I promise you I'm going somewhere. I mean, I'm really setting you up right now. The Hebrew, I'm I'm sorry, I love this. The Hebrew word flood, the Hebrew word flood is the word mabul. Would you say mabul? Okay, so in our mind, this is how we see the flood. We see rain coming down, and we see it getting heavy, and, and, you know, maybe really, really heavy, and then the water, what? That's not what Mabul tells us. The best explanation I can give you is Mabul gives us the picture that the earth was turned into a, into a washing machine. There was water coming down. The word of God says there was water that the jets, it says, yeah, it's a jet. It says jets from the earth were bursting up. The world, the world was literally turned inside out. So let me, pray, let me tell you this. Wilburn Rudd, the ark did not save Noah. That boat, what, it was more like a submarine than it was a boat. Yes, sir. The only way they escaped out of that cataclysmic catastrophe was because God kept them. Now, let me keep adding. Let me, I'm just trying to show you why Noah got drunk. On top of that, they were on the ark. For a year and seven days. You didn't know? You didn't know that? See, most people think that it rained, and you look it up, I don't got time, but Genesis 6, Genesis 7 and 8, it'll tell you, actually to the detail, it tells you how old Noah was when the floods came, and tells you how old he was when he came off, and it was, it was, a, it was a, almost exactly 370 days. So watch this now. I, I'm on a boat, more like a sub. The only windows in it are above. So you cannot see anything out. And you're in that for a year. And all you hear is the wrath of God. Listen, man, all this stuff on TV, Noah's sitting up in there chilling, they eating sandwiches and, you know, falafel or whatever, and, you know, they looking, you know, listen, they are in utter terror for 40 days and 40 nights straight, and then they are waiting on God's promise to come to pass for a year. Y'all not going to get with me in here. A year. And you, listen, I've talked to guys, a friend of mine, he's in the Navy, and uh, it's not James Whitehead, by the way, because we know he's in the Navy. <laughs> but no, but you know, listen, I got a buddy of mine in the Navy, and he talks about guys on, he said, look, man, the Navy SEALs, those are the guys that do, look, and, and these guys, Green Beret, all, all these military, they, these guys are for real, they're no joke. He said, but I'm going to tell you something, man. He said, the guys that work submarines, he says, they're different. He says, it is, it goes again, it's almost like being imprisoned. When they put you in solitary confinement, it has one purpose. That's to break you down psychologically. To be, to be in a sub where you, and many times they go under for six months and never come up on, on the reconnaissance missions. It says they have to go through serious psychological help just to be able to re-enter into society after you've been on some and you ain't seen daylight in six months. Noah and his family with children was on this kind of boat for a whole year. And he didn't have digital imaging to be able to see his surroundings. And I love this about God. The only place that God put a window was in the top, simply so he could look up. When Noah got discouraged, God says, I'm not going to show you what I'm... God says, I'm not going to show you what I'm doing. Because if you could see what I was doing, your faith would fail. That's why I got to close everything in sight so that you can just look up and see me. 
I'm just trying to tell you why Noah got drunk. See, y'all judging him because he got drunk. I'm going to tell you why Noah got drunk. I get it now. After going through a living hell for a year. Come on, guys. They weren't in there having, having worship. You know, not like, oh, praise the Lord. God bless you. We're still waiting on God's promise. Listen, man, he's wondering when is this? And you remember, they would send the bird out hoping that there was a change. So watch this. I get it. When Noah went in the ark, the earth was perfect in beauty. We get excited when we see a mountain. A mountain is nothing but a geological result of the flood. A mountain was not. Well, listen, the mountains back then were made of gold. What, what, do you wonder why gold is all in the ground? And why precious metals are in the ground? That's because God had to flip it. That's, the flood was God undoing. As a matter of fact, the, the, the Hebrew word gives the picture that it is the opposite of creation. Creation was putting the world in order, and the flood was putting it in disorder. And God knew that Noah could not come out of that ark and see the world as it was before he got in, or else Noah would have got comfortable with the world. And the whole point that God is making to us is, the floods that I send your way are to make you uncomfortable with the world. I'm a man. I mean, it's a man. You know, we talk about the seven wonders. Huh? When we was in Africa, man, beauty. At least in my mind. But that's because I'm not Noah, and I didn't see the world after God made it, and he said it was good. That's right. That's right. We walk around here talking about that's beautiful. Dirty water. Lake Erie. Come on now. <laughs> Can you imagine in those days where there's no pollution? Clear crystal waters. And remember now, before the flood, there were no oceans. So the world was perfectly laid out in proportion. God didn't need an ocean. You know why? Because he sent waters up from the ground, and he sent them perfectly down from there. Listen, we're talking about perfection. If you read, if you read Patriots and Prophets, Dre, Ellen, Ellen White says that, that the wood was of a character unknown to us. It was like metallic almost. Look, what you see right now is beauty. It's nothing compared to what Noah saw before he went on that ark. And so watch this now. Noah sees beauty and he preaches. And watch this. You got to understand. Think about this from an emotional standpoint. He loses everybody. He hears on that boat people screaming in terror. He hears the voices of children screaming in terror. He hears people crying out and being drowned. He hears beasts in terror. He, I mean, you're talking about terror. You're talking about a catastrophe. Nobody ain't never seen no catastrophe. But Noah and his children, they made it. They were survivors. They survived through the worst experience in earth's history. That's why he got drunk. When do people fall? Y'all think people fall? This time and that time? People fall after they survive something. David was being chased by Saul for 13 years, became king. And did he fall? Did he, did he sleep with Bathsheba before? He slept with Bathsheba when he was secure. Elijah. Elijah followed God with such resilience and obedience that God translated him. But when did he get depressed and suicidal? After fire fell from heaven. Moses. Huh, 40 years, he's rolling with those folk. But as he got to the very end and survived some stuff, that's when he struck the rock and got angry. I don't want you to miss this right now. If you got sleepy folk around you, smack them. Check this. Watch this now. I'm going to help you. Think about this from a family perspective. This family just went through something serious. Somebody said, well, they made it, though. They survived. Yes, but survivors are not heroes. Survivors are hurting. Okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me talk to you now. Let me talk to you now. You ever heard of PTSD? 
Let's talk for a minute. We got veterans in here. Let's talk. When police caught up with the alleged killer, Eddie Ray Roth, February 2013, who went on a shooting spree at a Texas shooting range, killing his friend, former Navy SEAL sharpshooter Chris Kyle, the 25-year-old murderer, former Marine, who had spent time in war, was, when they found him, he was crying, shirtless, shoeless, and drunk. CNN told a story of this one brother, last name Bonner, who went postal. This is what he wrote a letter after he committed, before he committed suicide, he left a letter that went viral on the internet, and this is what he said. He says, I'm too trapped in a war to be at peace, too damaged to be at war. These are the words of Daniel Summers, an Iraq war veteran, watch this, guys, who took his life in June of this year. He left behind a powerful suicide note that went viral on the internet. And this is what it said. He says, my body has become nothing but a care, a source of pain and constant problems. The illness I have has caused me pain that not even the strongest medicines could dull, and there is no cure. All day, he continues, Every day, a screaming agony in every nerve ending in my body. It is nothing short of torture. My mind is a wasteland filled with visions of incredible horror, unceasing depression, and crippling anxiety. Summers was a sergeant in intelligence unit in the Army where he ran, watch this, guys, 400 combat missions. Now, y'all playing too many video games. That's right like modern warfare, where it's just cool to kill people. You talk to some of these folk who have been in war. Listen, that, you can't do, you ain't built like that. When we were living in Nashville, not too far from Nashville was, 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 Clark, was Clarksville, the 101st Airborne. And I remember after the, the Iraq war, the first time we invaded, man, and the vets returned back, man, there was a, the, the, an increase of violence and murder in their homes. These guys had not gotten, they survived but they were hurting. Yes, sir. That's right. You tell it. And even in some states, when a vet commits a crime, they have leniency towards them based on what they experienced when they were in wartime. Y'all better hear me right now. Hear me what I'm saying. And there are others that kill families and are abusive, use drugs, especially post-Vietnam. Church I previously passed had a lot of Vietnam vets in there, and all of them had one thing in common. They were either on drugs or were on drugs. And we think, oh, they just, they, they criminals. They, they Listen, 225,000 of the prison population in the United States are veterans who had spent time in war. Y'all got to hear this right now. Just because you survived something doesn't mean you're a hero now and that you're perfect. When, listen, if you've gone through something, that means that you have lost some things. Some of y'all have been through divorces. We got molestation and incest in some families that they have experienced over the years. We have abandonment, people that were put up for adoption and turned away from, I mean, rejected. We got people dealing with that kind of stuff in their families. And we think if they just come to church, it's going to be all right. We see people act out and we get hard on them. We come down on them. Girl gets pregnant. You know, that's the, you know, that's the typical girl gets pregnant. Guy does this. They do that. We got to stop it. We got to stop sin. We got to stop sin. But we don't realize this. A lot of these people are survivors that have come out of great tribulation. And they're now trying to figure out how to live their lives when it doesn't look like it used to. And in the black community, we underestimate the power of trauma. 
Listen, we, in our culture, it's all about just keep it moving. Don't talk about it. Don't say nothing about it. Don't, don't mention it. Just keep it moving. Just press through. Just fight through. But you can't listen. We can't, we can't just keep pushing stuff under the covers. We can't just keep pushing it under the rug. Listen, people is hurting. And listen, it ain't happened yet. But listen, you better be careful. Somebody, man, you wonder why these people are going postal on the job? Why is it that a husband out of nowhere walks up and says, I'm leaving my marriage? I mean, we are seeing, talk to me, saints. We are seeing things happen in our world. We are seeing behaviors, but we don't know the whole story. And I'm saying, we look at Noah. Down the lenses of our judgmental noses. And we say, look at how, how could he get drunk? He's but naked and he's engaged the The righteous man, please hear me today, the righteous man of God. Look, we ain't talking about no slouch here. We're talking about a man that stood for God in the face of all hell breaking out. And he preached God's word. And he was faithful. And he was able to get his family in. We ain't going to throw no out like that just because he got drunk. Some of y'all got drunk. And I ain't talking about just on alcohol. Some of us were drunk on sex and drunk on anger and drunk on unforgiveness and drunk on drugs and come on, drunk, drunk, drunk in our own pride and drunk with our jobs. And listen, everybody is a Noah. You got moments when you're standing on top of the world and nobody can say anything about how unrighteous you are. You are the most righteous person. Everybody has those moments of glory when people stand and say, look how faithful he is. Look how he's going through the trial. Look how he's praying his way through. Look how he's worshiping his way through. But everybody also has those moments where you got drunk, where you got naked and nasty. Yo, I got it. Noah had PTSD. He had post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, what was it? Syndrome, sorry. Don't, don't sleep on that. Your boy went through the flood. Are y'all here? He went through something that killed everybody. And he got out. He had to be dealing with feelings of of regret, maybe of guilt. Man, I could have tried to save them, but I lost them. I'm saying all these emotions are working through his brain. And I imagine, and you know, if you study the text carefully, you'll discover that this didn't happen right after he got out the boat. This happened 10, 20 years later. Because by now his son had a son, Canaan. Amen? And what happens with many of us is this. Many of us come out of things and we assume just because we survived the divorce, because we survived the abuse, because we survived being terminated, because we survived the cancer, because we survived the molestation, because we survived the, uh, uh, the layoff, we think that just because we survived, that we're still here, that we do not have any scars left in us. Noah got out, but Noah was hurting. And instead of going to God, and listen, he ain't handled by a talk to. It was just him and his family. That's the problem. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. The father couldn't talk to his wife. He couldn't talk to his children. There was no church. He was the pastor. Somebody needs to feel this. Could he go to? I know I'm, I'm living this right now. Who does Noah talk to? Who prays with Noah? He's trying to keep his family together. Sons are going every different way. Now that they're in this new earth and they have total authority over it. President Noah is the emperor of the world. And his sons are his henchmen. And I believe that Noah had gotten to a place where the pressure of rebuilding this world had gotten overwhelming. 
I believe that he got to a place where the thoughts and regrets and the pain. Am I talking to anybody in here today? The things that he had come out of. And how many know when you come out of things, you can't forget about them. Some of us are still living day and night. We have nightmares and, and, and there are dreams that we have and there, and there are thoughts that come in our brains and we're trying to figure out how am I going to, tell me, G, I'm going to preach this today, God. How am I going to get past my past? How am I going to fight through what God brought me out of? I know that God delivered me. I know that God saved me. But why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Why am I still mad? Why am I still hurt? Why do I still have unforgiveness? I go to church. I read my Bible. I'm in the Sabbath school class. But why do I want to get drunk? Why do I want to get have sex? You are at greater risk of falling after you survived. Oh, here it is. Watch this. Listen, when God showed me this. And then look how bad his family situation got. And listen, can I, can I just talk openly with you right now? Every family in here, wake up, saints, stay right here. Every family in here has survived something. I've got men in here. God, help me to hold it together. Help me to hold it together, God. I've got men in here who are still hurting little boys over the trauma of their do-nothing father turning his back on his family and then going and having kids with others. And so at, so at one sense, those are your brothers and sisters because you're connected by blood. But at the same time, you got resentment because they remind you that your daddy didn't want you. I'm a grown man, 36 years old. And I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm a preacher. God, what do you, how, how come I can't get over this divorce of my parents? Wake up, church. There's a bunch of hurting people in here. A bunch of hurting folk in here. We got daughters and children in this church trying to figure out their sexual identity. Don't come down too hard on them because they survived something. I've talked to some of our little ones when loved ones have touched them inappropriately. And they're trying now just to figure out how to live, how to make good grades. You're not listening to me today. Are you hearing me, beloved? Listen, let's not belittle this thing and say, just trust Jesus, pick you up a book, come into the meeting. Listen, man, listen, your boy Noah got drunk. And it hit me. Everybody self-medicates on something. Most of us don't do it on God. We do it on something else. You ain't getting drunk but you on alcohol, but you get drunk on something. But here's the thing, and I'm almost done. You know why? Because you survived. Listen, I'm not going to get stuck on Noah getting drunk and him cursing his family and that sexual thing, whatever happened. I will not be defined by the negative things that have happened in my life. Somebody better claim that right now. Somebody tell yourself right now, I will not be defined as a, as a bastard child. I will not be defined as a child of a divorcee. I will not be, a, I will not be uh, defined as a man that committed adultery. Come on, you've got to speak that thing over your life. I will not be defined as a failing mother that couldn't raise kids to stay in the church. I will not be defined by a, as a person that, 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 that had cancer. I will be defined by what God called me. And God says that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm a and I'm not beneath. I am a survivor. I made it. When others gave up, I made it. I may have gotten drunk, 
but I made it. I may have made some mistakes, but I made it. The only reason I'm standing here today is because I made it. I should have been in prison, but I made it. I should have lost my mind, but I made it. I should have committed suicide, but I made it. No, you ought not get drunk, but you did. Don't let that drunkenness define you. Can I tell you why? Because in the Hebrews, the 11th chapter, after Noah is dead and gone, the last thing we hear about Noah is he got drunk and butt naked. But the next thing we read about Noah in Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Noah. Hallelujah, God. My God does not see me based on what faults I have made. He doesn't see me based on the mistakes that I made. But my God sees me as a man of faith. No matter what I've done, brothers and sisters, I'm a survivor. You know, you know, you know what my concern is? Not that we too loud. We ain't loud enough. Some of the stuff that God brought you out of. Excuse me. Who brought you out? <coughs> How did you make it? Why are you still here today? I know you got drunk. And here's the thing about it. I mean, you know, human beings. The only thing they see is what you didn't do. That's right. The only thing they see is where you messed it up. Uh, the only thing they see is that you lost this and, yeah. and that you lost that. But aren't you glad today that God can look past your faults and see your needs? He does not judge us on every deed or misdeed, but God looks at the whole pattern of our lives. There ought not be one judgmental person in the house of God because all of us have gotten pulled out of trial after trial and tribulation after tribulation and times you acted ugly and times you acted crazy and times you was butt naked drunk, but you're going to bless the Lord today. That the only reason why you, come on in here somebody, that the only reason why you are standing here today is nothing less short than the mercy of God. I am here. I'm a survivor. God has been good to your boy. Have you ever asked yourself a question? How come I'm not crazy? No, 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 for real. No, 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 seriously. Has anybody ever wondered? I should be plumb crazy. Some of us are. Come on in here. <clears throat> Any crazy folk like the pastor know you in here. Put your hand up and put it down real quick for somebody sees it. Come on in, hear me. But how many know you? You should be worse off. It's all right. I want to conclude by saying this. Somebody back there worshiping. Yeah. We know who that is. Oh and, 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 and. oh, and let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, God done brought her out of some stuff. Oh, no, 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 you, you ain't heard, you ain't, you, have, you ain't heard nothing. <laughs> some of us have suffered from post-traumatic stress. Here's the thing. This is my only issue with the church. We're not dealing with it. Amen. Appropriately. Some of us have secret lives. Oh, my God. There are secrets all in the body of Christ. Secrets. Lies. It's all up in here. 
So the first thing we ought to do is start walking around here like we're God's gift to the church. Number two. Humble yourself. You know, James, the book of James says, defines wisdom. When I saw this, I was amazed. It said, wisdom is humility. A wise person does not self-promote. A wise person is humble. Or, you know, as black folks say, humble. That's right. I'm saying, you see that big old H sitting in front of those? (laughs) So here's the issue. Hurting people generally will not talk. And I'm going to promise you something right now. You're going to get drunk. Yeah. If you don't talk, you're going to get drunk. Uh-huh. You say, no, I ain't never taken a drink in my life, Pastor. You may not get drunk on alcohol. But there is going to be a tipping point in your life where if you continue not to deal with the pain in your life, it's, gonna all, it's all going to hit the fan. I'm declaring today that God is going to raise up a generation in this church of talking men. Men who do not lead by ego, but men who lead by humility. Men who are not, see, listen, who are not, who are not unwilling to admit their faults and their mistakes, who are not willing to get help, who are, not, who, are, who are willing to talk to other men of other things other than sports. And it amazes me. Everybody's, oh my goodness. And especially if it's a preacher. The preacher, he had an affair. How could he? How could he do that? Lord have mercy. If Noah got drunk and butt naked and was inappropriate with his own son, then to him that thinks he stands, take heed lest you fall. Many of us think we're above stuff. You ain't above nothing. And this is why this, 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 why this man of God preaches against gossip. Because gossip presupposes that I'm above the person I'm talking about. And I'm telling you, God, I'm not going to say God takes pleasure in it. But God is so desperate to save us that he will put you on front street. He will, he will humble you to break that spirit of pride in your life. Some of us, I mean, I may, you know, grow up in church. Some people hang their hat. Boy, I'm, I'm, boy I'm, the, I'm that parent. You know, my kids ain't like them kids over there. You see how they, you know, those people are always talking about somebody else's kids and how where their kids are doing? And then one day your kid shows up and it's like, oh, by the way, I'm gay. Or oh, I'm pregnant. Watch your mouth. Every family has a flood. Floods, now this is the hard part to deal with. The flood that Noah went through was not sent by Satan. Please, don't miss this part. Don't miss this part. Please, promise. I'm going to end right here, but you can't miss it. The flood was sent by God. The crazy thing is, you know Ellen White says? Ellen White says that the flood was so powerful that even Satan was afraid. Yeah. So don't tell me Noah wasn't. Okay. So everybody has a flood, and floods are sent by God. Now, in, in modern society, some of you are trying to figure out, how could the divorce be sent? How could the molestation? How could the abandonment? How could the fatherless home? How could all this stuff that has happened to me, the murder, the imprisonment? I, I, I mean, how could all this be sent by God? See, now, see, the earth is so wicked now that there are some things that God don't send, but the enemy sends them. And what God does is when, God, when the enemy sends them, God stands in front of them, repurposes them, and uses them. That's why the word of God says, and we know that all things work. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good. So, so watch this now. You must accept right now. This is tough because some of us need to forgive God. Some of you, you're too spiritual to admit it, but you're mad at God 
for what for why your family is the way it, it, it is and why somebody else's family looks the way it looks. I'm amazed. I walk in, in, in home sometimes and, and, you know, you see that portrait of the family. And, then, you know, everybody, especially the old school ones, when everybody's got that look. <laughs> I mean, dude, you know how they say a picture says a thousand words? That's a lie. Dude, that picture don't tell you nothing about how they look. That picture don't tell you that they're going to be divorced in seven. That picture don't tell you that, 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 that the son is going to molest the sister. But I mean, if you went on pictures alone, boy, we all be we'd be making it, wouldn't we? <laughs> Yo, I especially love this picture right here. Where did this come from? <laughs> I mean, some of us look so righteous in that picture, man. But a flood will happen. Now, here's the last thing I want to say. Let's go to Corinthians. This is my last text. Why does God send the flood? Okay. Even though he knows. Now, here's the thing. Listen up, everybody. We have to assume that God sent the flood. He knew Noah was going to survive, right? And he knew that Noah was going to be negatively impacted by the flood. God knew that, didn't he? So why would God send that flood and, and, and this brother get drunk? I mean, God... Protect me from evil. I'm going to show you right now. Go here to 2 Corinthians 12. Somebody knows where I'm going. I'm going to say everything God is doing is trying to do this to us. Verse 1. Listen, oh, everybody listen. Everybody look right here real quick. Why did I go through what I went through? I don't have all the answers, but here is one to consider. All right? Everybody listen. Why did I experience the flood in my life? I don't have all the answers, but I want to suggest this. Paul said this. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on divisions and revelations from the Lord. We still here? Oh, okay. Oh, somebody shout. Verse 2. I, uh, this is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV. It's on the screen. The Bible says, Paul says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. Verse 2. I know a man in Christ, he's talking about himself, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Verse 3, and I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Verse 5, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. In other words, Paul said, I could call my own number if I wanted to. I'm that dude. But watch this. What verse are we at, everybody? He says, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is wanted by what I say, what I do or say, verse 7. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Or for, our, or for our purposes today, I was given a flood, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my, here it is, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, in floods, in divorce. Come on in here, somebody. For when I am weak, before the flood, Noah was strong. After the flood, Noah was weak, and that's where God wanted him. The reason why you go through some of the stuff you go through is God is trying to weaken you because you ain't strong unless you're weak in the spirit realm. See, many of us too strong. We run around here like, oh, I didn't serve the Lord. And I'm, I'm that, that came out of the flood. And I'm just a blah, 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 blah. And God says, you know what? I'm going to send the flood your way. 
because I need to get you to a place where you are weak. Anybody yeah. living that right now? Yeah. Go ahead and get ready to play for me. My Is anybody living that right yeah. now? Yeah. Where you feel powerless. I'm talking to somebody here today. Where you feel like you can't do nothing about your situation. Man, you, you, you feel like a failure. You feel like you're not where you should be. You feel like you're behind. You feel like you're under. You feel like you're not where. And listen, God, God love, he is attracted to weakness. God loves when we get into a place where we don't have much to boast about anymore. We don't have much, much to, 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 to brag about. God says, I want them weak because when I'm weak. Yes. That's right. I hope y'all got this. I hope y'all got this today. God couldn't get Noah in before the flood. He's too strong. He had to get Noah in after he got drunk. And that's why some of us, some of us right here, the flood in your life is to get you dependent only on God. Some of us running around here, I'm so-and-so. I did this, I did that. God says, here come the flood. You're too strong for me to save you. I got to weaken you. Holy Ghost kryptonite. Come on in here, somebody. We need, and this is a hard thing for us as human beings, because we like being in control. We like being the person. I graduated from such a school. I'm this person. I've done this. God says, here comes the flood. I'm Noah. I saved my whole family. I got them in. And God says, look at you now. You're drunk and naked. You need me. Father God, right now. Father my God. I have been avoiding weakness my whole life. We have been avoiding weakness our whole lives. We want so desperately for our families to look strong. We cover up stuff. We don't deal with stuff. But God, you are trying to put us in a place where we depend wholly on you. You want us weak so that you can be strong. Here's my appeal. It's not an easy one. It's not an easy one. If you're getting drunk on anything other than God, I want you to come here right now. Come down right now. <laughs> Number one, you're getting drunk on anything other than God. Yo, some of us getting broke down up in this piece. <laughs> How many live in that thing right now? I mean, God is breaking your boy down. And he said, that's where I want you. <laughs> that's where I, somebody needs to rejoice right now. Some of you feel like you're not ahead, but you're behind. God says, I want you behind. He says, I get more glory when you come from last place to first place. Come on in here, somebody. Brokenness. It's where God wants us. Yeah. Have mercy. Hallelujah. How marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond. He looked beyond. Have mercy. My faults and soul. I shall forever. Come on, sing that now. For thank you, Jesus. For lift my eyes, my Lord, to the cross where Jesus died. I fall so. Sing this, everyone. He looked beyond. 
my faults and saw my needs. Is there anybody else here today? You have an issue. You survived some stuff. And God has weakened you. But instead of you running to God, you are getting drunk on something. Some of us get drunk on other people's problems. Some of us are drunk at work. Some of us are drunk on self-righteousness. Some of us are drunk on unhappiness. Some of us are drunk on sex and relationships. Some of us are just controlled by other people altogether. But God said, the word of God says, be not drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when the Holy Ghost comes into your life, he's not coming to cover up stuff. For the word of God says, he comes to convict of sin and to guide us into all truth. And how many know that the truth shall set you free? God, I want to be powerless. God, I want to be weak. How many need to pray that right now? God, make me weak. Make me powerless. Many of us are hesitant to even pray that prayer. Because we're so used to living in the flesh. But remember now, when you are weak, the Lord is strong. (laughs) Hallelujah. Somebody just say to the Lord right now, Lord, I'm too strong. I need you to weaken me. Too strong. Strong. I'm depending on my own. I'm trusting in my own ways. Your word says, lean not to my own understanding. But in all my ways, acknowledge you. Is there somebody that needs to join Jesus today? Needs to join God's church? Need to come and make a full repentance unto the Lord and just invite him into your life right now. Pride cometh before destruction. Pride cometh before destruction. The word of God says pride cometh before destruction. I got to say it again as the Spirit is leading me. The word of God says pride, it precedes destruction. That you're on your way to destroy yourself if you are maintaining your pride. Is there anybody needs to humble themselves before the Lord and say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender to him right now. I need to be baptized. I need God's spirit in my life. I need to join this church. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. If you're here, my friend, just raise your hand right now. Right now. God bless you, my brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hand. Right now. Right now. Free yourself. Free yourself from pride and raise your hand if the Lord is talking to you. Where am I praying saints at right now? I need people to understand that we are at war in this service and that somebody needs to be that somebody needs to be set free from the grip of the enemy. Your prayers can change things. Is there somebody here today that needs to say, Pastor, it is me. I need to give my life back over to the Lord. I need to be rebaptized. Baptized, it doesn't matter.